Brad Jay Binkley, Kramer Sansone, in for Bobby and Josh. Six oh in, in B dub. This might be text of the day. Because we're talking about like staying in these movie houses. I don't know if you know this, but you can stay in anyone's house if you're quiet enough. That actually <laughs> made me laugh. You're not wrong. Text lines had a pretty good uh, couple of days. Except for the 816. Talking smack on Derek Carver, he's a great teammate and it's half the battle. I think he's a good quarterback, but an even better person. I believe the Raiders did him dirty. They could have at least waited to finish the season. Agreed. He is a good dude. I mean, there's no question about that. This isn't about whether you'd have him over for dinner. Would you have him as your quarterback? And the answer is no. Doesn't play well in cold, not playing well. And he makes $40.5 million. I don't feel sorry for him. Not only that, I believe he should have put his foot down and said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay with my teammates because my team isn't officially eliminated from the playoffs, even though they will be for the next two games. I'm going to help Jarrett Stidham. I mean, he's helped him enough this entire year being his backup. So, I mean. Yeah, he helped him enough to take his job. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. Uh... But that's what I think he should have done, Kramer. I, I, there's a lot of things that should have been, that should be done, and that one of them, especially in the Raiders organization, one of them is not hiring Josh McDaniels. I still don't understand why they don't didn't hire Rich Bisaccia. Like you, he brought that, he helped bring that team to uh, a playoff game. That like, that was unbelievable what he did. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It was coach of the year type stuff. All those first round picks were getting jettisoned from that team. Oh, from the eight one six, same person. Hey, I would love to have Derek Carr over for dinner. Okay, that's fine. Do you want someone, a quarterback to watch your kids, or do you want them to win? That's what you have to ask yourself. I'm sure Derek would be great with kids. But, again, I don't care. I want, I want to win games. That's a good question with 660. Would you rather have Carr or Wilson at this point? I think Carr. Derek oh, Carr. God, is there a right answer in this? Um, Russell Wilson runs into sacks. Yeah, but Russell Wilson has the nine postseason wins. And could he too? Because they both need turned around. He also had a defense. But they gave their card to Vontae Adams. I'm not saying that Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton's not all that good. Or they're awesome for Russell Wilson, but I'd probably take Russ, put a better offensive line in front of him. He's been sacked last decade 73 more times than any other quarterback. I guess I'd take him over Carr, only because he's proven he can win when it's less than 40 degrees. I'm staying away from Wilson. You may not think that's fair, but that's accurate. Staying away from Wilson. I'd rather have a guy that's won a Super Bowl and been to another one than a guy that's never even won a playoff game. I, I mean, it sounds cruel and all, but uh, probably Wilson. Texan, who would you take, Russell Wilson or Derek Carr? At this point, at their point in their careers, I think Wilson has regressed so much that it's it's not even worth putting him in this conversation. Who wins first? The Raiders or the Broncos? Like, who turns things around and challenges for the playoffs first? Oh, Raiders. And that's because – and I'm not saying that because of, like – Because they're going fresh quarterback next year? Yeah, well, because – Broncos won't? They have already have all the weapons in place for offense. They, they're, it's already set. So, at least you know – Except for Jacobs. Oh, I mean, it's a running back. You can, you yeah, can easily replace – Yeah, he's a big I know, part he's of that such offense. a good he, – he's so good at running the football and finding holes and everything. That's something that's, uh, that's underrated about him. But there's all the weapons in place, whether if it's Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, or uh, uh, Devontae Adams for this upcoming season. This Figure out the defense. Figure out the defense and that help rebuild that offensive line. That's all they really need to do. I think the AFC West is going to be in the Chiefs' hands for a while. The record's 11 straight division titles. The Patriots hold that, and the Chiefs on their way with the calamity going on. In the AFC West, 
Changing things in the NFL, I know there's a few things we'd all like changed. Pass interference drives me nuts. Also, the spot foul drives me nuts. I like the college football rule much better on pass interference. Roughing the passer this year, Kramer, has been the the one that gets me. Or Chris Jones being flagged for talking mean to Matt Ryan when it is the NFL and people do talk mean to each other like on every play. I would change those things, but the number one thing, and it goes down, this goes down to roughing the passer and, and pass interference and everything. That's the officiating. Hey, it gets called right by some officials, but not all of them. They're all different. It's like, remember that game as a kid? You ever play that in school where every, all the kids would line up or sit down or something and they'd whisper, the teacher would whisper something to one kid and then he had to oh, pass telephone. it on. Yeah, and he had the telephone. And he had to pass it on. There would only be something totally different at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the NFL officials are playing telephone at times where one's seeing something one way and somebody's seeing something completely different. It's, again, like these rules analysts that they have. Mike Pereira thinks the best, but a lot of networks trying to get their own Mike Pereira, and they're always wrong. <laughs> like they'll say, well, I think that's going to be ruled a catch, and then it's not. Oh, that's a touchdown, then it's not. That's oh, not a fumble, then it is. There's also a swagger for Mike Pereira, too, and he brings to the TV. Oh, he's got it. I love Pereira. Licking his lips and everything. But I'm just saying, they don't even know. Like, rules officials that are hired by a network to be – good at what they do. I mean, not saying they're wrong, but the letter of law, they're usually right. Unfortunately, that doesn't translate to the on-field officials. Because I usually agree with them. There's The call didn't go that way. But that's the one thing. And how do you fix that? They already started making, like back in 2019, I think there's like 24 officials that are full-time. But if they made everybody full-time and grandfathered in the ones that have a side hustle, like being a lawyer, insurance agent, owning a business, whatever they do, and what Florio is suggesting that they all live in the same city so they could meet a couple times a week. I think that's tougher. I think that's way easier said than done. Again, a ref lives in Dallas. All his family lives there. His wife's from there. Her family's there. Try to get everybody to uproot and go to the same place. I guess if the money's good enough, you know, you'd consider doing it. I th- think that's a tough t- thing to ask, especially when you could do meetings on Zoom and everything. But, yeah, I think they should have meetings once or twice a week all of them together to get on the same page where somebody's speaking to them exactly how the ball in, in the play needs to be called and all of them get on the same page. Cause it's all going to be different. Roughing the passer is interpreted completely different with different officials. It really is. Some, you can't touch the quarterback. Some, even a defensive player, like that's the one thing you got to rule out. Like, could he have changed his body? Could a 315 pound man change his body? Was it really targeting, or did the quarterback lower, or the running back lower themselves in a defensive player? Because that's technically against the rules, too, but they never call it. Yeah, the running backs uh, are should be held accountable. It. Yes. But they never call that, but they're not supposed to lower their head going through, but they do all the time. I mean, that's, that's what they're taught to do, though, when growing up and playing football is to get low, especially when you're getting it to be tackled because you're lowering your target spot to where you don't get hurt as much. Or, or McKinnon, remember in Houston? Blindside block when he's looking right at the guy. Oh, yeah. that. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, he's looking right into his eyes. <laughs> was, I mean, that was not a case where the, the player could not see what was in front of him. It was 100% legal play, but it wasn't called that way. Again, get everybody on the same page. If I'm 100% if the NFL wants to move, and they should move, with the billions of dollars at stake and teams making the playoffs or not come down to officiating here and there, and it can come down to that. 
winning and losing in the NFL, as Dick Vermeule used to say, comes down to one or two plays. And you look back at a lot of games, look at look at the Chiefs-Bengals game. You could say, well, yeah, kind of came down to one or two plays. Came down to the fumble by Kelsey, and it came down to the missed kick. I mean, you think about football, it does sometimes come down to one or two plays, and it does come down to prolonged drives because of the officials. Washington has a loss this year because of bad officiating against the Giants. They treated a play with literally a minute left as a Hail Mary, even though it was, what, at the 15-yard line, something like that, but they let the defender do whatever they wanted, which is egregious. Again, get on the same page. Going full-time, I think, does help. Meeting a couple times a week, yes, but they get paid enough that should be a full-time job. And if you don't want it to be your full-time job, don't do it. If you'd rather go be a lawyer, be a lawyer. Don't be an official unless you get the time to commit to it and want to do it year-round. Because you know what? I'd clean house if I was the NFL. I'd get people that want the job. Want It's like in the NFL. What do they want now? They do it at the combine. They want players who love the game. Officials the same way. Love the game. And I'm, I'm starting to think that some of these guys, some of these officials just see this job as just another job. I don't see them... Like, hey, I actually love football. It's a great I, I job. love the sport and stuff. So they need, they need to appreciate the fact of how high of honors they're at by officiating National Football League level type of play. Because you know, there's some guy that's out there trying to uh, ref high school games here in Kansas City that hopes one day to be an NFL official. Like that's probably that person's dream and goal. And I'm, I'm hoping that person gets there because they have the uh, passion for the love of the game. And I'm not seeing it right now with a handful of these uh, officials right now in the NFL. I'm not seeing it whatsoever. Well, the one thing you don't want to see is this. There's no foul in the play for a block in the back. Timeout. I mean, that's a grown man. It's got a family, man. The Arrowhead crowd is just too much for him. Too much. But you don't want to see that. Have some confidence, man. But get things called correctly because fans will let you know about it. And I loved it because the Chiefs fans held him accountable. As they should. As they should. They held him exactly accountable for what he was doing. It didn't turn out right. Coming up next, Mitch Holtus with an interesting stat for the Chiefs going into the weekend. Fesco in the morning. Ah. <laughs> Brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound. Your home for car audio since 1967. On 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Jay Binkley, Kramer Sansone, named it for Kramer, the Bears quarterback, actually. That's how Kramer That's got true. his name. That's true. true. True story. Very true. My mom's a Bears fan, and uh, she, at the time, the Bears were uh, it's a great story. Kramer. It's a great story. And yeah, it's where Kramer was found for me. It's not a Seinfeld reference. I know Bob wishes Did you ever that. have a Kramer jersey? I did. We, did had a, really? we, we had a Kramer jersey. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy, uh, well, <laughs> happy, uh, hope you can stay home and watch the college football playoffs. Hope you're not uh, dragged out to a worthless New Year's Eve party on amateur night. And if you go out, be responsible. Call a designated driver. Yeah, and don't leave your couch on the side of the road. Don't sit on the couch on the side of the road either. I, that actually kind of fun. 
I'll take a few pops, think, you know. Think you would you would get so many like bugs from that? You think I care, Kramer? Whether if it's a virus or just a bed bug, either one. <laughs> uh, the text line's been on fire uh, today, uh, as far as uh, New Year's Eve and your New Year's Eve plans. But you know, what's your favorite sports moment in Kansas City this year? I know it's kind of cliched. I gave you mine. The Grim Reaper played the Reaper, Fear the Reaper song. That was my favorite moment. Text line, obviously, getting a World Cup announcement, which is huge for this city. I think my favorite moment of 2023, if we're going to fast forward to the show next winter, would be the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and the NFL hosting the draft in Kansas City. Oh, hands down. Although maybe Bobby Witt Jr., MJ Melendez, or Vinny, you know, crushes 50 home runs. Who, who knows? That could be a great sports moment. Or the Chiefs will win the Super Bowl again this year. Or Royals win the World Series. That's not happening, but it could. It could. It could. <laughs> Season hasn't started yet. There's always hope, right? Always everybody hope. Has, everybody has hope in the spring. If you if you do not think your team's going to win the World Series, you've already lost. Make another ref cry. But the draft being in Kansas City That's gonna be so will much be fun. the highlight. It's going to be so much fun. That is going to be so, so insane, so good. for the, There's so many things good for this economy coming up, man. Especially here in Kansas City. The draft coming up when the World Cup gets here to Kansas City. There's a lot of ways for KC to make some cash. If they move the stadium downtown, maybe get that other revenue. I mean, there's we're going places, Kramer. Hey, Kansas City has been put on the map, and it's getting put on the map pretty quickly. And that's because of the, um, the fan base is here watching every single sporting event, basically known to mankind, whenever it's on television. So, so thank you all, Kansas City, for doing this. Because it's not just the, the sports teams and how they're playing. It's everybody in the community here in Kansas City. It truly is. It's great. I mean, the city's doing a lot of good things. It's no longer flyover country unless you're on Southwest Airlines and stuck at the airport for four days. Good point. Hope you had a good time in Kansas City. And it's too bad, too, because it's the old airport. We're getting a new one here soon. But to be stuck in the old airport is probably not optimal. All you got is BK and Starbucks. The new one, okay. New one's got that. New one. Yeah, that that thing's loaded up. fancy, oh, man. I'm going to just go over there just to eat. Like, if you're going to get stuck in a city, you don't want to be stuck in this old airport at this point. Other than that, the city... Everything's great, and we're about to have the new airport, so it's gonna be fine too. Draft World Cup. That'd be twenty. What do you think that's gonna be done in twenty twenty three? Supposed to be done here soon. It probably easily, yeah. Easily. So, hey, that's something that people. It's are almost gonna, done. I was so, out there not too long ago. It looked looked done to me. So when the show happens this time next year, we, someone could say, "Hey, the airport, airport being done." If it does get done. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, but anyway, good things are happening in the city. Oh, it's, it's no yes. longer, you know, hey, Kansas City, what? You got a World Series in fifteen. You got a Super Bowl. I mean, the Chiefs have won seven straight division titles. It's a good thing. From the 816, this is my, it's a, uh, my favorite uh, Kansas City policeman. My favorite moment was meeting uh, uh, Bink and Nick back in May after Nick tried to kill me with a baseball. This is true. This is the one. Is he the guy that had the, the radar gun? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a situation where we, were, we all switched up what time you're doing shows or whatever, and it was me and Nick and Dusty. Which is insanity defined. I mean, honestly. And then Cody was here as the sane one, right? And the rest of us are nuts. And we thought we want to see how who could throw a baseball the hardest. And, you know, luckily, law enforcement in this town decided to come out and be very brave because they stood right there with the radar gun with these clowns, including myself, throwing baseballs as hard as we could against a brick wall. And not only that, just sitting there and taking it. Of course, you had the Kevlar vest, but again, your your head was exposed. What were hey, what were you uh, topping out at? I was like ninety seven. All right, Bink. Okay, all right, all right. 
Divide that by it. I was a little bit upset I went in triple digits. But I was a little bit afraid of hitting the officer, you know? Because I can get a little wild with it. I mean, I still get the gun. So, but... so you're a wild thing, basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I still bring the heat, but... No, I don't remember. I don't even think I topped 75. Honestly. Who, do you remember who was the, the hardest? It was all bad. Oh, was it? Was it really, was it really bad? It was bad. I mean, it was uh, a, a very poor display of uh, athleticism. I wish I was there for that moment. I wish you were too, because you'd be out there being Mr. I may uh, be, former college baseball I may player. I'm peppering it around there. <laughs> Although you did play college baseball, but I've seen your stats. And it's not great. You call yourself a home run hitter, but you never hit them, and you struck out like every time. Sometimes it happens that way. But at least sometimes you were playing. The at least you were playing at the college level. The you know what I mean? At least you went on. But now, what do they say? The NCAA, you go on to another field. What do they say? Athletes are moving on to the to the pros in another profession. Yeah, now I play uh, baseball out in the independence now during the during the summer for old man leagues. Even though you're not yeah. an old man yet. Yeah, it's true. Hmm. Dusty, Dusty uh, um, was the hardest thrower. I can see that. I could see Dusty being the hardest thrower. It's from the uh, fine police officer in KCMO that did a nice job by driving all the way out of here. We're, we're not far in Kansas here. But how hard did he throw? I can't even remember. How, I'm sure Dusty remembers. but <laughs> oh, Dusty probably brags about it. <laughs> the Dirty Werewolf probably puts that on his uh, bio. Probably, Yeah, it's probably on his Twitter bio. But that was cool of him to come do that, right? Oh, no, that's awesome. No, I, 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 Like I said, I wish I was here for that so I could help participate. And, and speaking of police officers, we're going to talk about Trooper Ben, the Kansas Highway Patrolman. He put something out on there the other day that I think serves a lot of people need to go to his Twitter account. And I'll tell you what he said because there's a traffic rule that's not often applied that drives me absolutely insane. Um, and that's probably one of the things that drove me the most insane this year. But Mitch Holtus, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, joined me earlier. We talked about these records. These Because the Chiefs essentially set a new record in Mahomes. You know, with the 5,000 yards passing, the 40 touchdowns could be the third guy in NFL history to do that, really close to doing it. Only, what, uh, throwing 35 touchdowns a year. Mahomes has already done it four times. What Breeze and Brady did at six. Manning did it four. He's already done it four, and he's only at the cusp of his career. He's going to shatter that record. But here was Mitch on uh, something the Chiefs have already set. The Chiefs have already NFL record. 1921 is when this league started. Here's the NFL record the Chiefs have set. The only team in NFL history where they have 12 guys, 12 guys that have at least 100-plus scrimmage yards yards and two touchdowns. 12 guys. Never happened before in the history of the league. There you go. Mitch is putting that one out there for you. That's a great stat because I think it goes into what I'm saying about should Andy Reid get coach of the year, which he's not. I mean, he's not even close to the best odds because they like to give it to people like Nick Sirianni and, you know, coaches that turn around a team in one year. Or, oh, the Chargers finally snuck into the playoffs. They'll do something like that. Not consistent. Andy Reid's got one coach of the year, and he's fifth all-time in wins. Third all-time in postseason wins. But yet 2002 on the Eagles is the only year he ever won one. But, again, I think the consistency is the hardest thing to do. And what Andy Reid did this year, as Mitch said there, with the 12 guys that have done that, is you're winning in a bunch of different ways. You're finding a way to be good when everybody else, quote, had your number. I remember last year when everybody said the Chiefs' numbers, that people figured out how to beat the Chiefs. Remember that? Went through the doldrums. But you look at the stats at the end of the year, the Chiefs were still number one in points per drive. Like Steve Young said it best when he was talking about the West Coast offense and how teams figured it out, and they had to figure out a way to readjust it. Well, they did. 
And this year, the loss of Tyree Kill, because that was the big story nationally when you heard people talking about the Chiefs was, what are they going to do without Tyree Kill? This offense is going to take a setback, really. They've been number one in points per game almost the whole year. I think they're like .5 behind it. Now, total offense one, passing offense one. They're the only team in the NFL that averages over 300 yards passing a game. How the run offense is now down to 17th in the NFL. Third down percentage, number one. Fourth down percentage, number four. Points per drive, number one. Red zone touchdowns. Remember people say, oh, Chiefs can't score in the red zone. That was a hot take in the postgame. Actually, they can because they lead all NFL teams in red zone touchdowns. Penalties, they're 25th. I mean, that's maybe even better than that Have not they had they not had Carl Cheffers down in Houston. Penalty yards, 24th in the NFL. Only eight teams have less penalty yards than the Kansas City Chiefs. Sacks given up. They go, oh, man, is it's a problem. Mahomes gets sacked. Like, no, he actually doesn't. They're 30th in the NFL in sacks given up. So all these things go into equation of this offense not just reinvented himself, it made itself better. Like it took, and doing it with, you know, a cast of Jody Fortson and, and Justin Watson and, you know, MVS, and then Juju's actually having a pretty good year. And then Jerick McKinnon, who's on the cusp of doing something that's not even been done post-1970, five straight games of a uh, reception. He leads all running backs with receptions. Jerick McKinnon, unbelievable way that this guy's played this year. Here's Mitch on Jerick. He has more touchdown receptions by a running back than Austin Eckler. Soak on that one for a second. Because Eckler is the touchdown machine of the Chargers, and that's who they always throw to when they get near the goal line. And McKinnon's got more than Eckler's got. McKinnon has also done more than just caught touchdown passes. It's, It's amazing when you review the video. And to play with Patrick Mahomes, I've said this really since October about McKinnon, and now Pacheco's learning it that you really have three plays going at once if you're McKinnon. you got the play call. We also know with Patrick Mahomes, the play can turn into something else in, a, in an instant, right? So I've got to run my protection and my route. Oh, Pat's moving around. Now we're off script. Now i got to become a receiver. Oh, Pat's going to run. Now I have to become a blocker. And the block I have to make is one of the most difficult to make in football. It's really like a kick or punt return where we see all those blocks in the back and stuff on special teams. Well, he's got to make in a split second. McKinnon has to make a decision to go from my route. Oh, gosh, my crazy route. I'm going to get open in a here We're splattering here to, uh, oh, no, now I have to make a great block and not commit a penalty. McKinnon has done it to near perfection all season long. An amazing story, not just for the Chiefs, but for the NFL. I mean, it's amazing what they're doing. As, as you know, Mitch was talking about there, he leads all running backs this season with six touchdown receptions. He's recorded a touchdown reception each of the past four weeks. With a touchdown catch on Sunday, McKinnon will become the first running back since 1970 to record a touchdown reception in five consecutive games. So we're 50 years, man. Jerick McKinnon, league minimum, signed by the Chiefs in mid-June, what, June 14th, I think, last year. Any team could assign him Chiefs getting for league minimum. That's called being smart. When you say your front office has to be smarter than everybody else, that's how you're smarter than everybody else. That's why when I see these GMs of the year and stuff like this and beaches and on that, come on, man. You got to make moves like Jarek McKinnon if you're going to be good. Yeah, you got to spend some money sometimes and get some flashy guys, and you got to pay your quarterback, which the Chiefs do. But, man, you've got to find the Jarek McKinnons of the world too, or you're just not going to win. Find those nice pieces 
uh, to the to the puzzle. Uh, Mahomes with the 4,700 yards passing with 280 passing yards against Denver on Sunday, which he will get. Mahomes will have recorded 5,000 passing yards in a season for the second time in his career and become the third player in NFL history to total at least 5,000 yards in multiple seasons. People are questioning who should be the MVP. There's your answer. He joins Drew Brees, who did it in five seasons, and Tom Brady, too. He can also join Drew Brees as the only player ever with two career seasons of 5,000 yards passing and 40 touchdown passes. Plus, with his 321 yards rushing this year, um, his 5,041 combined passing and rushing yards also lead the league. With 522 combined passing and rushing yards of the final two weeks of the season, he can surpass Drew Brees for the most yards in a season ever. That's your MVP. That's your MVP, Kramer. But again, every every week, the Chiefs on Sunday, they send out like the Chiefs records that are falling, which all of them are falling with this group. And where they stand in the NFL, I mean, it is unbelievable the type of marks they move. Travis Kelsey, he's recorded at least 100 receiving yards in six games this season including the last two weeks. With 100 yards receiving on Sunday, he will become the first tight end ever to record at least 100 receiving yards in seven games within a single season. I just think it's... it's, it's and it's just one thing about Kelsey and Mahomes because they they got a million. I think it's fun with the Kansas City Chiefs of how good this offense has been in order to put up numbers like this on the offensive side of the football because there's some stuff that hasn't been like record-breaking-wise in, in some time. Like I think this is a it's a good sight to see, especially knowing how impactful this offense is in any given moment, and how much they can put up points on the board at any given second. Well, we're we're gonna see more and more of these these records fall because of the seventeen game season. Exactly. Justin yeah. Jefferson's, you know, probably gonna set the receiving record. You'll, you'll see the uh, Eric Dickerson's record fall as well. I mean, it was seventeen games, but if you do it before seventeen games, don't talk to me about asterisks. Don't talk to me about asterisks if that's what you do. Well, I mentioned Trooper Ben. I don't know. Do you follow Trooper Ben? I see his stuff on Twitter every once in a while. I mean, he's great. Law enforcement is sometimes some of the funniest Twitter accounts that you can get. It's awesome when they branch out and do things like this. But Trooper Ben is always keeping people entertained with what he's saying. And it's one of the things that drives me the craziest, Kramer. And that's when there's an acceleration ramp onto a... High, let's just take 152 up north, for example. Like you're on 152, you're going straight, and, and someone, because there's several places there where people have to, you know, join the road. Yeah. And how often are you driving and someone is going the exact same rate of speed as you up the ramp? And you're sitting there going, All right, what are you going to do, man? Are you coming right over and going to hit me? What are you doing? Like, I can't move over because there's a car next to me. Even if there was, legally, you don't have to move. Exactly. You do not have to do a damn thing by law. If you're going straight on the highway, you've already established you've already established yourself on the road. A can slow down and get their ass behind you. You don't have to move anywhere legally. Now, it's the nice thing to do to move over if you can. But if you can't, you don't have to. It's amazing the people that don't know this. I firmly believe no one understands what the triangle that's pointing downwards means. That with the with the red, white it says yield. It says yield on it. Did people really even know what yield means? I don't think so. It's another reason why I think that eventually they're going to have to do uh, driver's tests. And then we're all kind of grandfathered into it. You know, like driving boats. Oh, I, do, people do a safety thing now. Because with driving, the other thing people don't understand, and I don't know what the city's fascination with roundabouts is, 
Oh, I absolutely they're everywhere. agree. They're everywhere. Absolutely agree. Especially up north, they're everywhere, man. Especially in Liberty. Know, oh my goodness! But people don't know how to to no. to, to drive in them because it, once you're in the roundabout, you got the right of way. Yep, that is yours. But a lot of people don't know that. And you might be in the roundabout and they just come right in front of you. They need to yield to you. But a lot of people don't know these rules because you know when they took their driver's test, there wasn't anything about roundabouts on it. Well, I, I'm a firm believer that if you're above the age of, well, actually, when you get your first AARP stuff, that's when you should every after every five years you should retake your driver's test. I'm I think a, you should a firm do it before that. then. You think so? 100. percent You should, because roundabout. Here's the thing. Well, my kid got her driver's license. One of the things I did was we went straight to roundabout training. Because I had like two right before my place. And I was like, you know what? Be defensive. Just because you think you have the right of way, just be careful because people don't know the rules. You, get, you always got to watch what the other person's doing. But show them roundabouts. Like if, if you're in the roundabout, you get the right of way. Especially I'm not kidding. I went and taught her that because you know what? She's not being taught that in driver's ed. She wasn't taught that. She went and tested on that when she took her driver's test. Especially the two-lane roundabouts. Like, I don't think people understand that if you're in the far right one, which is like the, like you would say the slow lane, you can either take a right or go straight. You can't take a left if you're in, the, in that one. Now, if you're in the, the, the left lane for it, you either go straight or take a left. I don't think people understand that. There's a lot of things. It's like anything, like when you, when you talk about the NCAA and people are saying, well, the rules are antiquated. You got to adjust the times, right? You're paying athletes now because all the billions of dollars that these athletic departments are making. And when the rules were first set in place, they weren't making that money. And things are different. Television money wasn't different, so they adapted to what's going on now. I think the driver's test needs to be the same way. Forget the fact you were grandfathered in in 1970 taking your driver's test. You don't know how to drive around a roundabout. So many accidents almost happen at those things. Yeah, I'm telling you. Like even like where my apartment's at, there um, there's two roundabouts that are like directly like in the, in a path, and it's like come. On. These people do not understand how to do it. And it's kind of funny because I can look outside my uh, my balcony at my place and see idiot drivers not knowing how to use it. I think it should be something that's on the test now because there's so many of them. Know what you're doing because and I know police officers have to deal with it all the time. Or even when you get your license Matter renewed. Matter of fact, uh, my, my friend here texting deals with it all the time in KCMO. Even when you get your license renewed, I feel like every single time you should be asked the questions of, hey, do you know what this sign is? Do you know what this sign is? Do you understand what this sign means? I think that's also another thing that they should also do, too. And minimum speed limits in the fast lane. Yeah. If you're going slow, don't stay in the fast lane. Exactly. But, the, but, the, but people going up the acceleration ramp drives me nuts. If there's nobody behind you and nobody in front of you, be cognizant of the car and the rate of speed because people don't know the rate of speed. You ever notice that? Like you're in a car going and you might be going five miles over, six miles over, and you got someone on your tail. Yeah, that's going. And like- then they hop over to the other lane, and they're not going anywhere because you judge the, the rates of speed. People be terrible NASCAR drivers because the guy in front of you is actually going faster than the person in the fast lane. But the person who just hopped in, in that fast lane that was right behind you is actually going to be slower, and you're going to be actually faster because your guy in front of you is actually going at a higher rate of speed than that car. And if you're speeding, don't. Like, literally don't. Like, there's no reason for you to speed. If you need to get somewhere, you should have left your house a lot sooner. Don't be hurrying and rushing because you're late. Don't be the idiot driving fast. Don't. Just leave your house sooner. But just understand, when you're coming up that ramp, the law didn't say you can just pull over whatever you can't. No. The law says you get behind the car that's already established in the lane of traffic. It's very simple. Yeah. Very simple. The, and A16 says, but then the people in a roundabout start yielding in their cars. It causes big wrecks. Yes, when they do that, but you got to pay attention to what they're doing. 
Like you always have to have you still you, you go around the roundabout, but just just make sure and be ready to brake because that car might hop right in front of you. Especially when people have to finish that text. LOL. Yeah, why are you texting and driving at the same? Like, uh, I, I, I see it all the time. I, I, I see it all the time. I don't. Yeah, no. Especially when you drive by and you could tell because like you tell the person's like getting closer to like the white line or the other white line. You could say like, all right, there's something going on with this car up here. Then when you pass them, it's like, oh yeah, because your your eyeballs are literally going up and down, up and down, up and down. Whether and, if it's to your phone or to the to the um uh, window. And, and the worst part about it is when you're at a stoplight, and it's one of those lights that last forever. And the car in front of you, you're, you're the second car behind or whatever. And it's green, and they're not going. You're like, hey, man, what are you doing? Because This is a quick light. It's quick light. Especially We're, that I'm one down here. Westport. Oh, oh that's a quick on, light. They're on their phone. You know what I do? Hit the honk. I hit, I hit honk. Oh, I honk. I honk. I'm, I'm a honker. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. From the uh, 563, everyone that texts in the show is driving right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, because a lot of people uh, voice the text. Uh, because we get a lot of things that are completely misspelled. Coming up next, though, we head out to Buffalo, New York, talk about the big Buffalo Bills Bengals game this weekend. This is Festo in the Morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967, with friend of the show, Brett Veach. You're listening to Festo in the Morning. I mean, I'm not, but you are. On 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app.